Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. Back to our normal Sunday show with the coach, Harvey Hyde. If you have any questions or comments, uh, you sent in a bunch after Friday's uh, 39-36 win over Washington State. Uh, a lot of fans wrote in, a lot of fans called in, texted in. Our, if you would like to do any of that, our email address is podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can call or text, and the number is 424-254-9141. We got all of those today, and we're going to talk with the coach. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, about the game, about the win over Washington State. Squeaked one out there. Um, coach, welcome to the show, and how are you doing? Thank you very much. Uh, I'm always doing uh, better when you get a W, okay? I don't care how ugly it is, but when you get a W, that's what counts, and that was the goal of the Trojans. They needed a W badly. And they found a way to get get it done. When you're down 30 to 17, and you're able to come back and make big plays, players make big plays, and big time players make big plays. I think that's exactly what happened on Friday night. And uh, with a 39-36 win over Washington State, you've got to take it, and you got to get ready. You can jo- you enjoy it for about. 10 hours, then you better start thinking about your next opponent. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, well, Coach, before we jump into everything, wanted to uh, thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Coach and I have been working with them for 10 years or so now. Crazy. Uh, Southern California Tickets, the number is 1-800-888-7287, or you can go to SoCalTixTix.com. Check it out uh, if you want to get some Tickets for the remaining USC home games, or you want to go on the road, uh, they're taking on Arizona and Tucson next week, or, you know, take your your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, husband, whatever, out to uh, a show. You can do that, too, at Southern California Tickets. So they've been helping us out for many years. Just wanted to give them a quick shout out there. And, uh, Coach, yeah, this is a this is a strange one. You're Friday night. I was actually, I wrote a piece about it could be like the perfect storm of bad attendance because it was going to all the factors with the Friday night game and the call, the construction and all that stuff and wanted to start, but actually 52,000 plus, And it looked like, you know, about that many people, uh, that was pretty good. Now it's the lowest like home attendance USC's had since 2001, but still it was, uh, it was, it was a little bit better than I thought, you know, over 50 grand, over 50,000 people. Um, I thought that was pretty good. And the crowd, the crowd kind of got into it in the end when, when they needed to. So it wasn't a, it was a you know, pretty decent environment, I thought, for a Friday night. I do, too. I think that's great for all of you that uh, did go out. Uh, you deserve a trophy. Uh, and uh, it was 52, what, 52-471 or something like that. And you went out and supported the team. I think it's very important that you support the team. There's always uh, an excuse you can have why you shouldn't go, whether it's traffic or losing or whatever your excuse could be. But for all of you out there that did go, congratulations to you. And I know the players and coaches appreciate it. They did. And uh, we want to talk about the game. I guess we probably should just kind of jump in with the questions, Coach. What do you think? Any way you want to go. I'm ready to go. All right. Well, let's uh, we'll, let's do a voicemail first. Hey, guys. This is Crystal from Marina Del Rey. My um, question is for anyone that wants to answer it. 
Um, I was pretty on the ledge, like, after the last two games. It was scary and frightening and seemed like it was more of the same. And although at times tonight's game uh, against the Cougars seemed, you know, not the best, it did seem like we had a lot of improvement. From my layperson's perspective, it really seemed like J.T. Daniels has a lot of promise, uh, that the O-line seemed to be tightening up, and that Tyler Vaughn's, I mean, just, like, coming out when he needed to. Um, what did you guys think? What what really made it turn around for the Trojans tonight? Um, obviously, Washington State is a very talented team. They seem to have a very talented quarterback. Um, Mike Leach is an interesting dude, to say the least. Um so I'm just curious as to what you guys think really made the difference tonight um, and what we can maybe, you know, hope that we can expect to see to show that we're making progress going forward. Uh, thanks and fight on. Well, thank you very much for your your question. And uh, I have to agree with you. There was some improvement. And I think it's coming from a uh, uh, an offense. First of all, we'll start with that, with an offense with receivers of not a lot of rotation. And I think that I've mentioned this time after time after time. The more you rotate, the less the timing and the less the learning that goes on because you've got to get to know the speeds and the different abilities of all your receivers and uh, what they can do and what they can't do. And I think that when you've got your rotation now of who you have out there in the field and you hear the kids even saying it, that they get to know each other and they understand what what you're talking about. He threw the ball, I think, to seven different receivers but the three main receivers that made big plays made big plays, and that's Vaughn, Brown, and Pittman. When they needed to come through on the two-point conversion or the big bombs and, the, and battling for the football, they made it happen, and that's why you saw probably the strongest part of Washington State's defense, the secondary, really have problems because they couldn't cover those guys on the fades and some of those routes that they were running. I think that when they get the tight end involved in the game, if they decide to do that, they're using him a lot as a blocker. It'd be even be more difficult, but they can't run that cover too. And if they ever decide to go to Malapai and Carr in the backfield, uh, that's going to be actually something that'd be great too, because uh, they they are really what I think great running backs. And I think sometimes they're wasted when you don't utilize how they can run the football. Because when you run the football, you're able to do a lot more things in the passing game as far as play-action pass, bootlegs and things now that they're not utilizing as far as their offense is concerned. And I think the same thing's the same with the backs. They've got to stay in the game and understand that, hey, you're not going to score in every play. And the first drive five plays, they ran down the field and really looked good. And In fact, it was too easy. But then again, Washington State made an adjustment and that's the time when the offense makes an adjustment, but you can't take everything away. They made some adjustments on that formation, what they were running, which was a tight end with a, another tight end in the wing and a, ref, uh, uh, and a flanker that side, where they were overloading a side of Washington State, didn't adjust. If you were to go back the other way, remember when you take something away, they give you something else. So I think this is what they need to do in the offensive line. You mentioned it. They can't get enough work. In defense, we'll get to that later. Um, we got one from, uh, an email from Terry. He said, Porter Gustin clearly targeted a player on Friday, but the play was not reviewed for that infraction. The targeting was pretty violent, uh, more so than against Texas. At the time it happened, I thought USC should sit him for the first half next week. I still believe it's a thing to do to set an example. 
he can't keep his uh, head hunting or he's going to be serious or he's going to seriously hurt someone. Uh, thoughts by you uh, I'm sorry, or former Notre Vista coach, Hyde? Co- Notre Vista High School, right. Oh, I didn't I realize. Okay. Uh-huh. okay, so Terry must know you from there. All right, nice. Uh, well, let me let me put it to you this way. You don't intentionally try to hurt somebody, but it's very difficult to take a guy with high intensity. Porter Gartston has a lot of intensity. In fact, if you watch the second half, and I know you all did, of the football game, the USC defense really did get better. They got 12 points in the second half, and I think a lot of that was due to Porter Gutson and his tempo of what he plays the game at. And uh, yes, it was close uh, of a target, but there was a lunge involved in it. Luckily, it wasn't reviewed because it was right on the borderline of, again, losing him for the game in the first quarter, or the first half of the next game, which you don't need. Uh, so, yes, uh, you've got to be very careful with that. I think you have to talk to him about it. But you don't want to lose his athletic ability and how he plays the game of football because he brings a lot of intensity to your defensive side of the football. You can really see the difference as far as with him and without him. So I wouldn't sit him down on my own. I would talk to him and say, if that happens, you're going to hurt yourself and you're going to hurt the team. So we've got to work on that. And I think you've got to talk to him about it. But, uh, you know, don't punish him. He really didn't get called for a penalty. But you've got to make him aware that how close he was to getting a penalty and not playing the game he wants to play so badly and sit out another game. So that's the way I'd handle that. And I think he brings a lot of uh, enthusiasm to the defensive side of the football. And I definitely saw the difference in their defense the second half. All right. We got a, uh, another voicemail for you, coach. Here you go. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Another thing, um, it's nice to have our safeties back in certain situations. They can make plays, um, on third and long. If we blitz, you take a chance on somebody being wide open and then getting the first down. You drop people back in the coverage and come with four. And eventually we'll get there, and if they throw the ball, we'll have a lot of people helping the man coverage or, or everybody in the zone. But those two safeties can stop touchdown passes. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Curtis, uh, the way I understood that question is you think there should be pressure on the defensive line, and I agree with you. They were rushing three and dropping eight a lot, trying to mix it up, and then uh, trying to, they rushed four times, uh, trying to give a different look to their quarterback. And uh, I think they are having trouble on one corner as far as staying with the receivers. And again, Washington State reads the safety so, so well as far as uh, all they do in practice. I, I can tell it. They just do seven on seven and read the coverages. And when you blitz, they run in front of you, run that post route several times. In fact, Funga made one great play that saved the touchdown. And then he missed one, too. But, uh, yes, uh, and pass block, too. That's all they do is pass block, pass block, pass block. If you notice, they never really miss an assignment. They pass block really well. Uh, he didn't have to run around much. Uh, and uh, they do a good job of what they do. They're very good at what they do. They're very well coached, Washington State. Uh, they take their athletes and teach them what they do, and they perform at a level that makes it very difficult for you to defend them they take on the defensive side of the ball they take uh defensive backs large defensive backs and make them linebackers bulk them up set them out of here make them linebackers uh then they take linebackers and bulk them up and put him down they put them down on the defensive line and 
And what they try to do is outquick you, move around. And if you watch the deep offensive line, they did have some illegal procedures, but they're so quick. So that's the way they try to make up the difference of maybe not having the five-star, four-star players that everybody has. So they do a great job of coaching, and, uh, you know, uh, they're very fortunate, and they do do uh, Mike Leach's, I think, a, a perfect fit for Washington State. Yeah, he's a, he's a heck of a coach up there. Um, Keith wrote in an email. He said, what maddening irony that a team whose special team fundamentals are so woefully horrendous used a big special teams in part, thanks to the Wazoo left guard to pull out this maddening victory. If the Trojan coaching staff insists to put in, uh, put it all on the shoulders of a kid who should be in high school, still, uh, potential victories ahead are going to be of this ridiculous variety. A win is a win is a win is a win, I guess. I haven't been this perplexed since the Hackett era of uh, the Hack era of Paul Hackett. Nonetheless, love my Trojans fight on. A very tired uh, Keith from New Jersey on Saturday morning. He said, P.S., one note if there's time. The Coca-Cola commercial that aired during a break in the first quarter sums up USC quite well. SEC fans arguing over which barbecued meat at a tailgate is best and a USC fan arguing that hummus is the best. Um, yeah, that's, it's a kind of funny commercial where they have all fans from all these different schools and the USC guys like eating hummus at the tailgate and everyone else is doing like burgers and steaks and stuff. Well, I, I don't know. I, I didn't have a chance to see that commercial, <laughs> uh, but uh, I guess I'm not watching the whole game. Normally during a break, I'm writing down things to try to, uh, you know, uh, know what I'm doing as far as my scouting of the game and so on. But, uh, as far as, uh, what was his question, man? You got me talking about I'm sorry. Yeah, it wasn't really a question so much. He was just, um, he, th- he thought it was ironic that, you know, a bad special teams group oh, yeah. ended up winning. Yeah, I got it. it. Yeah. I got it. Uh, you know, when you think about it, a week ago, a week ago, they have a 10-point turnaround when their field goal is blocked, ran, for, ran in for a touchdown. And this week they win their game by blocking a field goal against Washington State. So it just shows you the importance of kicking uh, the kicking game and how it can make a difference in the ball game. You take Texas now, Texas beat TCU, and you look back and you think, wow, if we'd only done this or done that and we didn't make this mistake and Port Augustine could have played the whole game, hey, we could have battled and pulled that win out. And I don't know how many of you last night saw the Stanford game and saw that Oregon, uh, Oregon was up on them by 17 points and Stanford turned it around and came back and won that football game because of who they are and what they believed in and never gave up. And there was a couple of calls in that game that could have made a difference too. So now Stanford moves down to Notre Dame, who USC will be playing later in the year, and they're both undefeated. That'll be another big game, national televised game for the Pac-12. And I thought that Stanford-Oregon game did a lot for the Pac-12 because it was prime time, and you saw a great game that people didn't switch the channel on. It was a great game. So when you look at Stanford, they're undefeated, and you uh, USC's already played Stanford, and it wasn't the type of performance that everybody expected. 17-3, they lost, and they lost to Texas, and Texas is now 3-1. They, they, they'd like to go back. Let me just put it to you this way. I bet they'd like to go back and replay those games, but you know what? You can't do that. So you've got to make those corrections now, and there's still a lot of corrections that have to be done. Now, don't get me... Don't misunderstand me. There's a lot of things still that need to be done. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Percy wrote in, please give your best assessment of the defensive scheme. I don't understand what Clancy Pendergast is trying to accomplish. It reminds me of the saying, don't get cute, just get it done. It seems he's trying to get cute and innovative, but he either does not, uh, I'm sorry, he either does not have, he he either doesn't have the players or uh, he must fit, it's a must fit, he didn't word this very well, he doesn't have the players or it must fit a defense to he must fit the defense to the talent that's already on the roster. What say you from Percy? Well, I, I think he plays uh, what he wants to play. He has a system that he wants to play, and then he finds the players to play those positions. I think that's what he does. Um, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that I agree or don't agree. There's you got to you know in his system that's what he believes in. He isn't going to change. I like more of a, an odd front three-man uh, type of defense or a four-man front type of defense. Uh, uh, that's just my – I think you get more pressure as far as uh, on a pass rush, and you can cover just as well. Of course, you have one less uh, person to cover, but you can. And uh, I think it's very important to stop to run and force people to pass and then be able to put the pressure on them. All I know is that when you come after somebody and you play a lot of man, you've heard me say this since – the first time I watch him play defense, you better have corners that can play. And I think they're still struggling in the secondary. I really do as far as being able to play a lot of man, and and they get beat a lot. Uh, but uh, we'll see what happens. I think they, they just, they're just picking on poor Greg Johnson. They just they just pick on him all the time. The kid's playing his butt off trying to take care of these guys. But if you don't get to the quarterback, uh, you've got a tough time covering some of these larger receivers, and that's what they're trying to do. And then um, the safety, too, went over and made a couple of great plays. He's a hitter, but he's also got to be able to cover, too. Ufunga, he made some nice plays, made a lot of tackles. He's a young kid. He's got a great future. But then uh, you're lucky they don't go to the tight end or Washington didn't run any circle routes down the seams, too, because the safeties and their backs, they really don't put them down the middle. They put them everywhere else. They do... So many checkoffs. It's really amazing how they run their passing game uh, that he always has somebody to go to. So, uh, uh, you know, everybody's got their own style. And, uh, you know, that's uh, who's supposed to like his defense is Coach Clay Helton. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Pentagrass defense. It's Coach Clay Helton. And I keep saying this all along. It's his offense, his defense, and his special teams. But he's going to take – they hit on him, whether they work or they don't work. So I hope that he had to say and saying, this is what I want to do. I don't want to do. You know what I mean, Ryan? Yeah, completely. And, uh, you know, I, I, I thought they did a pretty good job stopping a lot of the short, uh, the line of scrimmage passes. It's just the intermediate stuff is where, uh, I think they, they're, you know, Washington State had a lot more success, but they got a couple big stops. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm not, I'm, you know, well, they not, got two, they got two series in a row in the second half, three and out, which really helped, you yeah. know, they needed to get those, but they weren't getting those. They weren't getting those, but they did get them in the second half. We don't have time to talk about all these different things, but, uh, there are things to, to improve on. Let's, uh, go to another voicemail question for you. Hey, Ryan. Uh, this is Joan Levis and hi, Harvey Hyde. I know it's your, uh, podcast for the, um, USC Washington State game. I was just curious. I didn't see Aka Cedric Ware in the game um, on Friday night, and I was wondering if you know why he didn't play. Was he injured? Um, at any rate, thanks so much, and fight on. 
And uh, real quick for that, so he did get one carry for, I believe it was minus five yards. Um, so he was available. I didn't get a chance to catch up with him after the game. I know Shotgun was going to try to as well. But he really, he was listed as the starter, um, but only came in and had that one carry. I, I don't know how many plays he, he ended up getting, but it, it wasn't a lot. Uh, I agree. I noticed that too. Um, uh, he didn't really play that often. I don't know if he was hurt or not, but I think on that first drive, Malapii and Carr did such a great job. You know, sometimes you get in a routine, but he didn't start. So I don't understand that. I mean, you know, these depth charts and who's supposed to start. Uh, I don't understand those. Sometimes they print one at the beginning of the year and they never print it again. I don't know if you noticed that, Ryan, <laughs> but, uh, I got the same one with guys that are not even on the team that are on it. Okay. So, <laughs> so, uh, I'm just saying, you know, don't get misled on that, but he's, he's, he's had a heck of a spring and had, had a heck of a fall, but you always hear me say, you got to go with the guy and, you know, you watch Washington play their running back runs 30 times a game. Why he gets a feel, he's the feel of what he's doing. Just like the receivers. I was talking to you about rotations and, you know, they just, you know, they give up too easy on the run. USC just gives up too easy. You don't score a touchdown on every play. So you, you, you run, you rush for nine, and then you get three. Well, that's not all bad. It's when you do it and how many you get, and you figure out why it didn't work, and you go back to something else. But right now, currently, they're not attempting to run the ball enough to be able to have anything else out of it. They don't have any series. They don't hold the back, hold the backside at all. Backside just pursues to the football because they never have to worry about anything coming back. Uh, and uh, with two backs like Carr or, or Malapi or Ware in the game, I keep talking about it. You have better pass protection. And if you don't need to use the backs again, then go out in the flat or run their routes, uh, complementary routes to whatever you've called. So I think you get better pass blocking. I think you get more throws off. It just makes sense to me. And with a cross action, I mean, when you watch the cross action in this offense and the bootlegs off this offense, it's absolutely, you don't know who has the ball. And then they get in the flat. You have, you'd be able to get them in the flat and the backside. You do all kinds of different things. You bring them across the formation and put them in the flat. You've got so many different things you can do to give your quarterback a chance and just have one or two series, not just, you know, one play or one, just a stretch and a power off tackle. If it doesn't work, bang, it's done. So, uh, and they're great backs and you don't want to waste their talent. That's all I want to say. You don't want to waste the talent. Let's uh, go to a text message we got from Marcel in the San Gabriel Valley. What is the status of our tight ends? Do we throw them? Uh, do we throw to them? Or are they decoys or what? I see the Stanford has five former tight ends that are now in the NFL. That's from Marcel. Well, you know, you hear me talking about mismatches. I don't know how many years I've been talking about this, putting him in the slot like Stanford does or putting him outside. And, uh, you know, they're like basketball players. Stanford They they, they, they beat San Diego state with that. They won last night with that. They did it against USC with that. They do it all the time because they know that your number one thing is to stop Bryce love. So you get up in there in the line with an eight-man front or whatever it is, and you got to stop him, which they've stopped him. He hadn't had the year he had last year. But look what they're doing in the passing game. They've improved their passing game. You can't basically can't stop their big guys because they're 6'4", 6'7", and they put the ball up in the air. And if you're, 
if you're a DB, uh, USC was doing the same thing with Tyler Vaughn, Pittman, and and them uh, on Saturday night against Washington State or Friday night against Washington State. So this is what they do, and I'm suggesting that USC does a little of this uh, because USC's tight ends are not the type of tight end that, you know, is a blocker type of tight end. They're more of a receiver type of tight end. Uh, now they're a little bit different than Stanford's, uh, but uh, Stanford's tight ends are really uh, receivers also. So, uh, you know, but yet they have, if you watch Alabama play, they run two or three different tight ends in all the time, 82, 84. They're different purposes. They use different routes with them. And it's just tremendous the way they run their tight end down the seam. It, I don't know if you saw that, that Tua hit him down the seam. He was wide open because they're double-teaming their outside receivers. But USC elects not to throw the ball to the tight end. I don't understand why they don't throw the ball to the middle of the field. We talk about it all the time. But uh, I don't know. That's why I don't go to press conferences, because I'd ask the question. <laughs> we had uh, Earl wrote in. He had some uh, officiating concerns. First, he said, someone explain to me how two unsportsmanlike penalties on one team is equal to one unsportsmanlike call on the other team. I didn't I didn't know that either. I don't think I've seen that before or remember seeing it. Uh, you you'll that? have to help me with that. So there was two. So it was I think it was a special teams play and two personal fouls, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties on Washington State and one on USC. And they said they cancel out. So it's not like, you know. I guess any of them, like if you have more one or more than one, it's the same thing. Uh, but I didn't know that rule. I don't, have you seen that before, Coach? Where like multiple? No, I have. No, I haven't seen that rule before. But uh, obviously, don't let the kids figure it out. <laughs> if you get one, then there'll be five of them slugging somebody. Okay, and you only get fifteen yards. So uh, I don't think that's correct. I agree with our uh, person with the question because. If you if you have two against one team, they only get fifteen yards. What if ten guys slug somebody? You get just fifteen yards. Yeah, I don't. It so it's kind of strange. Uh, that, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. Maybe it's still a rule, but I'd have the guy explain it to him. You know, I don't know all the rules. They make them up as the game goes. Yeah, and then he also said, two weeks in a row, I've watched uh, official reviews of what appear to be bad calls confirmed. In Texas, one third of the football was clearly still in the end zone, yet the replay official couldn't see what. We saw on television and making matters worse, spot of the ball at the one and a half foot line uh, against Washington State. The replay clearly shows the ball coming out of Calvin James's hand towards the ground, uh, creating the obvious situation of the ball hitting the ground while he quote unquote caught it. I thought the idea was to get it right when there was a conclu- with conclusive evidence the call was wrong. Yet I have two instances where that did not happen. Why the hell do they even bother? Your thoughts, Earl in West L.A. Well, I agree with you, and I'd have probably told the guy the same thing, the official, because I saw the same thing you did. I thought the ball did touch the ground. Uh, Oregon lost their football game last night because of that type of call, and the guy stretched out or hit the cone. I thought the running back was in the end zone, and uh, uh, they didn't give it to him. And then what happened, the ball got snapped over the quarterback's head, and and Stanford scooped it up, and Al Ferrari picked it up, and ran for a touchdown. That changed the whole game around for for the uh, Stanford uh, team against Oregon. So officiating is so important as far as, especially today, and you try to get it right. I wasn't for uh, replay when it first came in. I really wasn't. 
I said, hey, 99% or 99.9% of the calls are correct. But now with the uh, the games being so important and jobs on the line and bowl games on the line and bonuses on the line and all of the different things, I think it should be right. And uh, But uh, sometimes, I guess, they have a different opinion than we do. And and uh, I guess you got to roll with it. I didn't always agree with the officials. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you, if you're on the sideline with me, they would tell you that. Uh, we had a couple emails from Tarek with a Q. He said, "Why?" first one is, why is the USC offense unable to adjust to blitzes by audibling to hot routes? Well, you know, I've said that all along, especially a year ago with Sam Darnold, with his talent being able to allow him uh, to just uh, don't even call a play. Let him call a play on the line of scrimmage. We used to do that so much with Randall Cunningham. He, we just say, give a formation and say, check with me, and we'd break, break the line, and he would call a play, depending on what the defense is. And if they were blitzing, he'd call a play we wanted called by the live color, and away we went. Uh, I don't know why they don't do that more. Maybe they are by the number of times they clap their hands or whatever. I haven't figured that out, and I haven't asked anybody what that's all about. But um, if I'm going to get in, if I ever got back in football, I have to figure out what what that means. But uh, yeah, I think audibleizing is so important. We we did so well with audibles. I mean, uh, sometimes we were wrong. Sometimes they covered up. They show they're coming and they don't come and different things, but uh, I think it's best to have the right play called against the, uh, the defense. I think it's really important that if you think a certain thing is happening and they've tipped it off before and you know what's coming, if you're playing in the game, it, why not get out of it if you think a blitz is coming? Because there are many things you can go to. How about a wide delay? You have your tight end just bump and go down the middle of the field to the side of him, or if you're on the split side, the lone receiver side, and there's a blitz from the safety, just run the post right straight to the down the middle of the field. Uh, and you have these different things that you know that are coming, and sometimes we never even called it. The quarterback and the tight end, the other guys didn't even know what the play was. But the tight end would recognize the stunt coming right there. The linebacker was coming, and the quarterback saw him because he's right in his face, and the tight end would just bump the guy and go down and run to the open area, and the quarterback just threw the ball, and everybody else thought it was something else because the play went so fast. They didn't even know we were doing it because those two worked together and recognized what the defense was, and everybody else would look up, and your tight end be running down the middle of the field. So there's a lot of things you can do and uh, uh, with that, and I think it's really, really valuable to be able to change the play on the line of scrimmage. Why run into their strength or run into a blitz or run into a stunt doesn't sound right for me. But one thing I want to say, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, they did run a two-tight eye formation with the big guy in the middle, and it was exciting to see them score two touchdowns with it. It really was. To see them get off the football, build some confidence in this. Now, if they stay with that, two tight ends with a wing, with the big guys in the game like that, with a flanker, I tell you, there's so many different series of plays and plays you can run off of that uh, fullback in the flat, bat, you know, play-action pass, bootlegs that they'll have a short yardage offense just develop off of that and build the confidence in being able to do that on short yardage situations. I really love seeing that. Now, don't forget it and don't run it again, because it really does work. The uh, second question he had, Coach, he said, I just want to say, Iman Marshall is having one hell of a season. 
He's locked down his side of the field uh, in all four games with the run and the pass play for the most part. Defensively, uh, what do you feel is the reason behind um, oh, the Jekyll and Hyde performances? Uh, at times, this defense seems really good. On the other hand, they can't seem to pressure any quarterbacks regardless of scheme and generate minimal turnovers. That Those are were from Tark. Well, you know, this defense is good at some things, and in some things it has its weaknesses. I mean, they can't handle an athletic quarterback. I'm just going to tell you that now. When when you face, and uh, Tate has a bad ankle down at Arizona, thank goodness. I don't want to hope that a kid's hurt. But I tell you, uh, their other running back last night broke his, broke a record uh, as far as in, in uh, Corvallis, as far as rushing the football. But they can't handle that, uh, that defense, uh, can't handle an athletic quarterback. You saw it against Texas. Every time they play an athletic quarterback, it just got, it's got, you know, too many seams, too many lanes that they can run in. And as far as the keep, as far as the, the outside linebackers close down on the read, so he just pulls the ball out and runs to the outside and scores or whatever he has to do with it. And also, uh, if a guy is covered and they're coming up the field, he just runs straight up the middle and gets the first down. So, Got some weaknesses, that defense. Outside contain and also the middle of the field on pass rush. You see it happening all the time. And when you face an athletic quarterback, it really causes you a lot of problems. And that defense has never stopped an athletic quarterback. It didn't against UNLV with Amani Rodgers. And it didn't against Texas. So, you know, that's gonna, that causes them some problems. And, and yes, uh, I agree with him on Marshall. I think Marshall has really grown up a lot. Uh, what I mean by that, I don't see him hot-dogging it. I don't like the hot-dogging it that he used to do. I think he's becoming a man now, and, you know, he's controlling himself a little bit more when I thought that he might take a hit at somebody a little bit late. He held up and didn't do it. He doesn't have to show people how tough he is. He just has to do his job, and I think he's getting better and better. I really have to agree with you. I think the kid has really improved this year. I think coming back to USC will really help him as far as in his future years if he wants to go to the NFL, and you know he does. But uh, I have to agree with the gentleman uh, that uh, what he said. Uh, we got one last voicemail question for your coach. Here you go. Curtis from Moreno Valley. I heard Clay Hilton say at the press conference that they just developed that uh, heavy run package that they used to run the clock out at the end of the game. Traditional, tough USC type of offense, they just put that in. Uh, so it's, it shows at least they're listening. They know people want them to run the ball. They need to keep that package and run it during the game, during the uh, regular course of the game. Um, Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, Curtis, it's part of a package that you, you put in a complete package. You know, you have your running game, you have your passing game, you have your series, you have your two-minute drill, and you have a goal line offense or yardage offense, and it's just something you have. Uh, yeah, at the end of the game, you do have certain things when you don't want the clock to stop, and you know that you can burn a timeout. You want to burn the other guy's timeout, and you want to keep the clock moving. You want to run safe plays, and if you get a first down or two, you're going to win the football game. So it doesn't hurt you at all to get into that. You do a little play-action pass, but a bit of a safe one or the quarterback run because you don't want an incomplete pass or the clock stops. So, you know, I look at that as not for the end of the game. I look at that for 
getting across that line that gives you a first down to getting across that line that gives you a touchdown. And I think that's got to be part of your offense because you hear me say every week that one line means so much more than all those other lines. And building confidence in that type of offense is so important that whenever you run that play, you know that you're going to get it done, uh, one of the plays off of that formation. So, uh, you know, it's just uh, I used to call it breaker, to tell you the truth. I, the reason I don't call it breaker with you people is because you wouldn't know what it meant. But I said, we're going to break or make it. We're going to break their back with this play. So breaker, breaker, get in there. It all knew what that meant, that this play is going to break their back. So we've got to be able to understand how important that play is, that formation is, that you run. Uh, you know, sure, you can run it to run the clock up, but you better be clock down, but you better be able to get across the goal line, too. So, yes, that's the first time I saw the eye with the big guy in there in that type of formation. They probably have run it once or twice, and I've missed it. I didn't see it much in practice uh, in the fall, early fall. But if I'd have been coaching that team day one, we'd have put that package in because that's the one that makes the difference. We uh, will do one more for you, Coach. We had uh, Actually, maybe we'll do two quick ones, and we'll go. T- a text uh, from a frustrated fan. He said, as a former teacher, I would attend as many professional development workshops, courses, and trainings as I could, especially during the summer, in order to grow professionally. And that made a great difference in my effectiveness in the classroom. Not all teachers participated, though, and the old-timers were stubborn as heck. My question is, what do coaches do to improve? Is it possible for a coach to get better during the season? I ask because I keep seeing the same deficiencies and mistakes game after game and season after season. Would love your thoughts, Coach, a frustrated fan. Absolutely. Uh, We try to get better and better, and uh, we did what you call exchanges. Uh, I remember when I was at UNLV, I sent my offensive staff, the whole staff, to BYU. Uh, Norm Chow was coaching there then. And uh, I wanted them to learn a couple of packages that they did, their draw package. They have three or four different draws and different things that we put in at UNLV because we had Randall Cunningham and we wanted to make sure that our offense was balanced as far as running and passing and everything else. And we sit down and they, they were up there three or four days and uh, staffs do this all the time. Uh, they, they'll go down and visit uh, other schools and find out how you run this or do that. And that's something, uh, man. As a head football coach, I, I would watch a football game or, or we play against somebody, and I'd say, man, oh, man, i got to figure out. I don't just want to watch it. I want to know what the real reads are, how they teach it, and the whole thing. So, yes, you do. You, you, you do a lot of that. In fact, you do a lot of one-on-ones uh, when you're traveling or when you're at coaches' conventions or a media day. A lot of times coaches get together when they're – part of a Nike group or shoe group, Under Armour, whatever. They, we used to travel and, and have what we call corporate meetings, and we'd all be together and in a social type of atmosphere and talk about a lot of football. And uh, that's, that's where you really learn. That's where you really learn when you talk to each other at that time when you're not battling on the field, but you're, you want to learn how you do that and what your keys are and, and all that different stuff now. If you're playing somebody in conference or somebody you're going to play, they might lie to you a little bit. But uh, but it, it be really uh, that's what it's all about. It's like anything else. You got to have refreshment refreshers courses. You got to know what's happening. The game changes all the time, just like it does in medicine and business and everything else. And if you don't stay on top of it and know what you're doing, you're going to be out of it. 
All right, then we got one last one from Nick in Cyprus. Uh, he says, how do we stop Khalil Tate in Tucson as I don't want to fly home from a loss? Well, that's a good question. You know, I, I wish we could have on the defensive coordinator from USC. I don't think he's running. I don't think, in, in seeing the stats, and, and Ryan, maybe Ryan, maybe you have this stuff, I don't think he's doing what he did last year. I remember last year he was getting offensive player of the week, uh, for the NCAA two or three weeks in a row and getting huge yards, rushing for 200, 300 yards and doing all of that. I don't think Solomon's having him do all that. And uh, uh, it's surprising because that's what that kid's all about. Unless they've decided to keep him in a structured type of offense, that kid was very difficult to stop. In fact, I can still remember the second half of the USC game in the Coliseum. USC was up big at halftime. And here he did, he came roaring back, and they couldn't stop him. Not because maybe he was that good as maybe they let up and missed tackles, don't get me wrong. But he really can cause you a lot of problems defensively, but no one was stopping him. So uh, there's different rules and regulations, and when you have your scheme, I don't know what Clancy's scheme is or how he or who's supposed to take who, but he's a dangerous cat. I want you to know that. All right, Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Not too bad. We had a decent amount of questions this week. It's a little bit easier after a win uh, than a loss, Coach. So uh, we'll see. There's still a lot of concerned fans. Arizona, you know, they, they bounced back uh, last you know, or yesterday and uh, had a good game against Oregon State. Uh, they've looked pretty bad uh, up until that point. So I don't know. I'm not sure what kind of game that's going to be, but um, we'll see. We'll see how the Trojans come out and play. Well, they're going to have to work on their offensive line. They really do. They got to block people. They got to block pass, pass. They got to get off the football. They got to pick up blitzes. They got to communicate, communicate on the offensive line and recognize what's going on, and don't uh, call a lookout block when you say, "Oh, look out! I missed him." <laughs> the poor quarterback is on his stuff, and and they got to get a little bit quicker and move their feet, and be in a good position pass blocking wise and. And blocking people, you can have guys blowing across the gaps like they did Washington State. Heck, when like you just said, said we mentioned where where you're thrown for a five yard loss was guys five yards in the backfield. You know, you get have blocking schemes where someone blocks down and that guy pulls around and picks up his guy, or or like you mentioned earlier, or someone asked about audibles, get out of the damn play if it's not going to work. Why run a play that's not going to work? Get out of it. Do something else. But, again, uh, that's part of the offensive scheme that T. Martin's in charge of, and they're going to have to make some changes. I really think they have to add to their offense and be able to do some of the things we talk about. Otherwise, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be big plays and hope that you can make them and and, uh, hope you can overcome. And, you know, uh, again, JT is starting to look a little bit like Sam Darnold as far as making great plays, making great plays and looking around and finding receivers. When he found – Tyler Vaughn in the back of the end zone for that two-point play said, Sam Darnold. That's exactly what he did. He looked, he looked, he looked, he let it go. Perfect pass to him for that two-point conversion. Just perfect. Yeah, that was that was a thing of beauty. That was pretty nice. Um, all right, Coach, well, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for uh, joining the show again, and uh, look forward to your thoughts after USC travels to Tucson to take on Arizona. Thanks again, Coach. Well, thank you very much, and for all of you out there, we thank you for uh, – checking in with us weekly and uh, remember it's just our opinion out there and we see the same game you do 
Maybe we see it differently, but that's the way I saw it. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you, Coach. And uh, everyone else, thank you for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We'll have uh, more shows this week with Dan Weber. We'll do a preview show heading into Tucson, most likely with Jason Shear from uh, Wildcat Authority. So lots of stuff on uh, on the schedule. We'll have our Sunday night show live on Facebook, and we'll have another Tuesday, uh, Thursday show as well. So uh, we're going to have Max Brown again in, uh, in our uh, Sunday night show. So Shotgun's not going to be able to be here. We're going to get Max Brown in studio, and he'll he'll break down what he saw in this game. So uh, that should be interesting, Coach. It will be, and it's great to have Max on. And uh, is Max back working on his degree uh, here in Southern California or what? No, he finished. Uh, well, he's back in Southern California. He's doing some more analysis on his uh, YouTube channel. And then he also is uh, – He's he's still coming back from his shoulder injury, and I think he you know he would still like to make some kind of run, maybe not the NFL, but one of the other leagues or something. So he's they're still not uh, you know completely done playing or at least trying, and uh, yeah, so doing some analysis. He's he I think he got like two degrees from USC and like something from you know and something from Pitt. Like he did really well, so he's got a bunch of degrees already. Good. So he's a graduate of uh, two universities, USC and Pitt. Yeah, I believe so. I think he got. I believe he got a graduate degree at Pitt as well. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Cool. He's a cool kid. All right, uh, or guy, whatever. Sorry. Um, all right, that's Coach. I'm Ryan. Thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.